Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A, a BJJ, BJJ Marriage. Marriage, where we talk about our lives as a married jujitsu couple. Action. <laughs> Woohoo! Hi, welcome back to another episode of A BJJ Marriage with your hosts, Nick and Brittany Lee. Cheers. Didn't our intro just say that? Did it? Maybe. I don't think our intro says our names. I don't think it does. It just talks about us. Yeah. It's like... Hmm. <laughs> maybe by episode 80 we can find time to record an intro. I was thinking maybe 100. Maybe. Maybe every season will be 100 episodes. Every season. We have a season. Okay. I mean, most seasons are only like 22 or 24 episodes, but that's cool. Yeah. Some podcasts release in seasons. What is our intro even? I can't even think of it. Wow. We don't listen. Well, we don't listen to it. I listen. Oh, good for you. <laughs> you apparently have a lot more free time on your hands. No, I listen when I uh, put it together. Edit, yeah. But anyway, welcome to episode 74. That's a lot of episodes. We've talked to you guys a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but we're never out of things to talk about with jujitsu. And I would say that because we, I feel like this summer we've just been hanging out with a lot of jujitsu people. And especially like black belts recently with it between the camps and seminars and everything we've been doing this summer. And every time we've been hanging out with them, we have been actually like just talking about jujitsu the way that we do in these podcasts. Yes. And there's so many times that I'm like, I wish we just had a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> this would be so cool. <laughs> we should just pay a crew to follow us around all the time. <laughs> it would be great. But it's true. Like we literally get into all these like – I. Just these deep conversations with people. We learn about their past. We learn about what it was like to become a black belt 17 years ago or just like working on your way towards a black belt 17 years ago versus yeah. within the last five like us. And it's yes. just, it was a different time and hearing their stories and their perspective. And it's just been really fun and really interesting to get to talk to everyone and you get to socialize through all of it too. Like not even just about the gym, which yep. is always fun. Yes, I love talking to people about jujitsu. In fact, I believe I do it a lot. That's why we started this podcast, actually, because we were talking to our friends too much about jujitsu, and our yes. friends don't train, so they were getting very annoyed because they were like, "I don't care." Yeah, <laughs> so and we like, and we don't train on Sundays, so we record so that we can get it out of us, mm -hmm. so that when we hang out with people that aren't jujitsu, it's not just talking about jujitsu. Yep. <laughs> Raise your hand in the comments if you have that problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu is life. Okay, anyway. So, yeah, we had a really good weekend again. We actually got to go to another seminar. Surprise. Yes. And this one was a female black belt under Master Pedro Sauer. Yes, she ran his kids program for... 10 years. Yeah. I thought it was 12 years almost. I think it was 10 that she did the kids program. Okay, I think she trained she directly trained with under him, him for 12. Yeah. Yeah, she was telling me yesterday that she was just a blue belt, like she had just gotten her blue belt, and Master Sauer was like, you should run the kids program. And she was like, <laughs> me? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you. And she's like, well, that's an honor that Master Sauer wants me to run his kids program, but I don't know Jack. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, she has been training directly under Master Sauer for most of her career, and now she actually runs her own gym with a couple other people in... Virginia. I'm going to say Virginia. I, I Some think college it's sound. Virginia. Oh, it's Charleston. Yeah. It's Carolina. 
Uh, yes. South Carolina. Basically the same kind of state, country, whatever. But I think she was in Virginia for a long time under Master's Hour. Yes. That would make sense. <coughs> Excuse me. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not excused. We're busy. <laughs> but, yeah, Kristen, she was such a freaking gem to be around, seriously. She like, was awesome. she was just so happy. And... So we had never met her. We had never talked to her before this seminar, and she stayed at our house. So yeah, I don't know how your dad connected with her. Probably through camps Georgia or something. But I was there, and I didn't connect with her. Mm. Yeah, I don't know then, because they both were talking in the seminar about rolling with that black belt who had dreads, and they said that his dreads were his secret weapon to not get choked. Did he go this year again, though? I don't think so. Yeah. So what the heck? Where was I? <laughs> I don't know. Jeez. No idea. I was probably off gallivanting with John. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So, yeah, Kristen, she just, her energy is infectious. She's just a very happy, go-lucky human being. And she's just always smiling. She always has, like, the coolest and most fun way to say things. And she just, her, she's just an overall great person. Yeah, she's pretty cool. I had a great time with her all weekend. Yep. She also, um, does a lot of like the Jeff Curran camps, the big frog camps in Florida in February that we're thinking about going to, but that might also be the same weekend or immediately following the um, Gentle Art Lifestyle February camp. So we got to try to figure that out. Figure that out, I guess. Because then we're also trying to go to Florida again in April. For oh, for pans. pans. So the chances Maybe? of us going twice are slim. What to pants? No, to Florida oh. twice. Oh, why? Because I have a job. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell? I thought you, this podcast paid for You're everything. literally asking me to take all my PTO within the first four months of 2023. It's no, not going to happen. I did not ask you that. <laughs> I was talking about things that I'd be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. We will have to talk about that. Yeah, I guess. At but a later date. It is something that she brought up and she said it would be really cool if we could get there. Especially because I didn't get to roll with her. Why not? <sighs> Because I'm injured and bullshit. I'm so mad. I rolled with her once because uh, I let her roll with everybody else on Saturday after the seminar. But on Friday, I rolled with her because she came to. I'm sorry. Uh, did you Friday just say class. you let her? Did you just, you let her roll with everyone? Yes, because I know <laughs> she had a limited amount of rolls, and I had already rolled with her. And I feel like I I'm always the person that's like want to roll, want to roll, want to roll, and I'm trying not to be that person. And just, like, take the rolls that pop up in front of me. Mm Because otherwise, I'd ask everybody to roll every time. And um, I feel like that's annoying. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, you rolled with her once. Yeah, I rolled with her once. And um, we both have, like, that wacky kind of jujitsu style where we do weird things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I had put her in X-Guard. And I was doing the standard X-card sweep where you push their legs apart and then typically they tip to their butt or they tip to their face and you either stand up and sweep them or you roll up into like a knee slice pass. You know what I'm talking about from Mm X-card, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started that. I started pushing her legs apart and her legs kept going apart (laughs) and she just went to a full split <laughs> while I had her leg on my shoulder and her other leg was completely on the ground and she was doing a full split and not teetering any in any direction. <laughs> and then I had to like 
basically pull guard again because I couldn't find leverage to teeter her either way. She had <laughs> she had a solid base in her splits, and I could not sweep her from that position. It's her secret power. And I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, that was that was very fun. Yeah, I will probably never forget that. Yep. I looked over and I was like, "Wow, she's doing a full split. Cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you look on my face like, mm-hmm. "Where do I go now? Mm-hmm. Do I just..." Maybe I just attacked this leg, mm-hmm. but we were in the gi, and I didn't know how she felt about gi leg locks. I know now, but I wasn't just going to start <laughs> attacking a black belt's legs in the gi. As she told us yesterday, she's like, we don't care in our gym. We heel yeah. hook white belts in the gi all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I would have done that to her or tried to, but um, I feel like it's disrespectful. <laughs> One of those things you don't do unless you know somebody. <laughs> right? Like, I'm probably also not going to go around wrist locking people I don't know. Until, like, I've had a few rolls with them, and then I figure out how stubborn they are, and then I can wrist lock them here or there. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not going to, like, slap bump wrist lock. <laughs> then, then they're probably not going to roll with me again. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. Um, side story. Um, Tuesday, I went to Watoma to sweeps mm-hmm. to train. And there was uh, this wrestler. His name is Zach. And... He's like, I don't know, 20 years old. Like, you're like, he's coming into his physical prime. And he he's was like, the one there yesterday, right? Yes, yeah. he was the one there um, yesterday at the seminar. But yeah, he's like super built, super athletic, flexible. And um, I had put him into a triangle armbar trap a couple times and then uh, finished him with that a couple times. But then he started getting like, oh, I don't want this to happen. And he did a good job defending the triangle and defending the armbar. But you know, you can add that little wrist lock on the top of that position. So I did it. And you should have seen the look on his face when he tapped. It was like one of those surprise taps where he was like, ah, tap. <laughs> and then like, I didn't hurt him. But you could see the look on his face like, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> That's so dirty. <laughs> and he was like, oh, man. <laughs> And it was after I'd already got him a few times with the triangle armbar. And then it was triangle armbar wrist lock, which is just beautiful. You're just being a mat bully. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but I felt like at that point we had already built like a little bond. I feel like I'm adopting him as a white belt. In Watoma? <laughs> yeah. He's two and a half hours away from you. Yeah, but I can I could see the things going on in his brain when we were rolling and when I was... When, he would ask me questions, and we'd go through it, and he'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. It was it was a really good time in Watoma, up in Sweeps. Yeah, because you and my dad decided to go golfing up in Watoma and then go visit Denise and Ephraim at Sweeps Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. And congratulations to Denise and Ephraim, who run Sweeps. They got stripes, so mm-hmm. good for them. Denise is super close to her brown belt. Yep. <laughs> That'll be exciting in the future. For sure. Yes. So yeah, it's been a fun, fun week. But let's talk about the seminar. What did we? What were? What was your biggest takeaway? Biggest takeaway from Kristen's seminar was I like the concepts that she was displaying about when people are trying to um, what she say contract or expand something like that, mm-hmm. right? And so when people are shrimping and trying to break connection, you want to continue connecting to them. And when people are bridging, trying to um, create, like, extension, you want to kind of float off of that and not stay connected to them when they're trying to make that um, 
that change mm-hmm. in their position, I guess. So yeah, when they're bridging and like pushing and framing, you don't want to push into that. You want to go away from that. And when they're like escaping, shrimping, rolling away, stuff like that, you want to stay connected. So mm-hmm. it's a, a play on connection. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she did a good job in explaining that much better than you are. Yes, um. obviously. <laughs> but yeah, she was just saying basically you want to ride the wave. So when people are moving, you don't want to stay connected to them because think about if you're in mount on someone and they're bucking away and you stay as connected as you can, you're going to buck with them. It's mm-hmm. kind of like riding a bull and you're literally either going to fly off that bull or you're going to stay connected for dear life. And either of those are very fun. So what you have to do is you have to ride the wave. So when they bridge, you kind of lift your hips a little bit too to give yourself that space for them to be able to drop back down and that's when you can connect again. Yeah, and then floating. when they, yeah, when they turn, you can start to move your body and you can get your good base on the mat and then you can start focusing on pushing a shoulder up and trying to be in like a triple threat position or Yeah, when you float ways. back heavy, you um secure a better position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way we describe it at Fluid is you ride the wave. Yeah, ride the wave. And she was also talking about, you know, being a sandbag versus a barbell. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's bridging and you're trying to hold them down while they bridge, you your body be kind of becomes rigid. And um, if you've ever tried to carry a sandbag or like a wet blanket or a wet towel or something versus like something very stiff like a piece of wood or a barbell or something like that, you can get really good control on the barbell or the piece of wood because you just need like two connection points and the rest of it's stiff and you know where it's going to be. But like a sandbag, wet towel, um, things of that nature just kind of conform to whatever it's touching. And it's very hard to move the whole thing. You have to control the whole thing to move it. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I thought she did a really good job in explaining all that. And honestly, like I resonated a lot with what she was saying because she is a female. And so obviously, like being a black belt female in this sport is something that I look up to. And I respect the way that she teaches and the way that she rolls probably more so than a male just because I can relate to it better because I know like the struggles that she had to go through as a white belt, as a blue belt where I've been before and like how she overcame that to get to where she is now. And that's where I aspire to get to. So it's just really cool to be able to get her perspective on things. Her and I got into some personal, like just deep conversations between the two of us. Cause we got to spend a lot of time together and women. <laughs> it was just very cool to hear how she, cause So basically, let me backtrack a little bit. I told her almost immediately upon meeting her that I wouldn't be able to roll with her or do her seminar because I was injured and I was really sad about it. And she told me about her rib injuries and how they do just suck and they just take some time. And she's really upset that she couldn't roll with me either. But then she just goes, she's like, I want to tell you that it gets better, but it doesn't. (laughs) And I was like, okay, great. But, like, she just said, she's like, just because I'm a black belt doesn't make me a god. Like, I literally still have to struggle. Like, there's still males that, like, give me a very, very, very hard time, even though I'm a black belt. Like, it's not going to yeah. really get better. You just have to, like, I guess not pick your partners, but, like, know your partners. Yeah. And understand the type what, of what intensity. What they're capable of and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And to understand the type of intensity you have to go for. She was even telling me last night that when she's getting ready for competition. So, she's like a, I think she said she was like a 170 black belt and so when she's training for competition it's obviously very hard to one find another female black belt two find another female black belt that's 173 find one that's in your age group so she has a very difficult time finding good training partners to get her ready 
for yeah. those intense competitions. So what she actually told me last night that she likes to do is she'll invite people from other gyms, and her favorite style is you. Oh. She wants the lighter purple belt males to come in and roll at 110% with her because that's what she's going to be facing in competition. In her actual not, division. Yeah, and not like the purple belt level, but just like that size difference, like being your size and then you, because you're a male, having that, I guess, extra oomph in you. Yeah, the, a little bit more strength in different areas. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty even, evenly matched in her mind for her. Sure. So she says that she really loves rolling with um, like the lighter purple belt males when she's getting ready. Look, I'm lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, she was, she, also, was, she was super fun to roll with. Yeah, she was also telling me about how there's this newer white belt in her gym who was about her size and height, just a little bit taller. Did we say her name yet? Kristen. Debra- oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. I think it's Kristen Debruckner. Debruckner. I don't know how to say it. It's a very funky last name. Debruckner. Yeah, we'll post it. You can can try to pronounce it yourself. I didn't, like, sit there and ask her, how do you say your last name? But, uh, yeah, so she said this white belt girl, uh, just because they're, like, the same size and height and everything, she's just really excited about her. And she's like, "Uh, but I'm really excited for her to learn some jujitsu. Yeah. (laughs) There's always that part. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you see people walk into the gym and you're like, you will be a perfect training partner for me. Mm -hmm. And then, like, a couple months later, you're like, Damn, Bye. they don't exist anymore, do they? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Happens. It does more often than not, unfortunately. Yeah, but it is what it is, and we mend and we get better without them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so funny. There was um, there's a white belt at our gym, and he was training for like a year or so. He was doing really well, and then he had a kid, and then he went away for a few months, and then maybe like half a year or another year. And he came back, and I had trained the whole time, obviously. And he was like, you know, it's really not fair that when I left, like, you know, I felt like I could threaten you a little bit. And then I didn't train, and you kept training, and I came back, and now I can't even touch you. (laughs) He was like, it's really not fair. That's what happens. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, you mean I wasn't supposed to get better when you were gone? (laughs) He was like, oh, absolutely not. You're supposed to stay stagnant. (laughs) Yeah. He's supposed to wait for me. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah, Kristen's seminar, it was awesome. So, Ride the Wave was definitely a big takeaway for us. And I think the one that I got from the sideline the most was the fact that she – so, I don't even know how to word it. Like, obviously, I got a lot out of it from her. But it was also harder because I was not physically doing the movement. I was just – Yeah, so you couldn't feel it. mm -hmm, I was just watching. But, like, I think the biggest movement takeaway that I got – was when you're sitting in mount, I mean, one of the biggest things that especially white belts have issues with is retaining that mount because they get bucked off or they don't know how to ride the wave. So they end up like losing position or falling off or they just transition out of it because they're like, I don't know what to do from here because I've been there. Um, yeah, that is a common question. So I've been good at getting to mount and then I don't know what to do anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a, I do a lot of private lessons on that mm-hmm. question. Yeah. And I think... One of the coolest things that she showed was a transition from low mount into high mount. 
because the way that I had always done that transition is I start like inching my way up. Like I'll try to pin an arm and I'll keep my hips low on their hips to like stop them from bucking up. But I'll keep like pushing myself forward until yeah, I'm in like a good high a slow walk. Yep. But she taught that you just go. <laughs> She's like, you literally just book it. And you go up into high mount right away. And I was watching everyone do it. And I was like, that seems so much more effective. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she says, use their body like a ramp when they bridge. Yeah. Yep, I could see that. So I didn't get to drill that. But it looked really cool. And I'm really excited to uh, try that out. So that was probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah. (laughs) My chest actually hurts worse today than any other day. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, that was really cool. Um, And then she showed some really cool arm bars. (laughs) Yes, she showed a great uh, sequence of arm bars and grip breaks Mm -hmm. for when they try to defend arm bars. And then she showed a really cool mounted triangle variation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really fun. And anyone who knows me and has rolled with me knows that I really, 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 really love arm bars. And Bon Tempo looked at me while I was just like in awe watching this arm bar yesterday. And he's like, Brittany, close your eyes. It's like, you're not allowed to watch this. <laughs> and I was like, yes. oh, too late. I already recorded it. So, cheers. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Can't wait for you to try pulling that one off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she told me. And then she even came up to me, too. And she was just like, based on how you told me that you play your game, you're really going to love this. And I was like, I know I will. I want to do it. Yep. I was very sad. Yes. So, that was a good time. I was also pretty humbled that she had options of driving places multiple times, and she kept picking me. Yeah, well, <laughs> girls pick girls. Because <laughs> we were all going to the same place, so she had the choice of going in Nick's car, my dad's car, or my car, and she just kept going with me and was like, cool. Yeah. Got a good bond. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, we learned a lot from her. Um, we also... What did we... Started watching the ADCC matches Mm -hmm. which have been crazy all day yesterday and today is the finals and the open weight and the super fight yeah so we can't give any updates on what sunday the 18th matches are because we haven't seen them yet but this podcast will probably be out by the time they're done so but we did watch a little bit of saturday the 17th and we didn't actually get to watch a lot in person we got there pretty late but we saw a bunch of highlight reels on facebook and twitter yeah some crazy arm bars, lots of crazy upsets. Sorry, like, Meta and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, it's Facebook by Meta. Oh, okay. Meta's just the parent company now. Okay. But um, yeah, I can't believe Gary Tonin out in the first round. Lachlan Giles. Mm-hmm. Armbarred. Yes. That's crazy. Um, JT Torres. Cyborg getting armbarred. Like Cyborg. That that was just wild. To yeah. Me. So many crazy upsets in the first round. The way my dad described it is he was like, Cyborg's arms are like tree trunks. Yeah. How like, do you armbar him? Normally, people, you talk about people's legs being tree trunks, but his arms are tree trunks. Mm-hmm. And I think that Cyborg didn't expect to get armbarred because of that reason, because he didn't even like use his legs to defend. Well, I mean, I can't critique Cyborg, right? But it looked like he was surprised at the tenacity of the armbar attempt on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning, actually, just like kind of going over the ADCC reels that I saw. And I was like, how do you even coach these people? Like, what do you <laughs> even do to say anything to them? Like, they yeah. are the highest of the highest levels of grappling. Like, 
And if you know more than them, besides like John Donaher, why are you not competing? Like, it just, it doesn't make sense to me how you can become a coach to someone like that and well, what you say. It's like the same thing, uh, like MMA fighters, MMA champions definitely have coaches. Mm-hmm. But that makes more sense because you get to like in between rounds and there's more things happening. Mm-hmm. But um, as a grappling coach, yeah, like Donaher was not saying anything. He was just sitting there watching like. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm, yes. <laughs> but I'm sure that they coach in opportune times if it's especially needed. And mm-hmm. sometimes um, you can't see other things that are happening. So a coach, a good coach will be able to tell you something that you can't see mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's the most beneficial part of a coaching competition is trying to it's not even so much of them telling you what to do because your body kind of can tell what to do in those motions but it's more so like oh they're trying to set this up and you can't tell yet so make sure you stop it type of thing yeah and i think that's probably the best part about having a coaching competition because yeah and a coach that knows your game yeah and also, it's super important. like, you're just so, when you're competing, if you haven't competed yet, I'm sorry you won't really, like, be able to understand this, but, like, your brain is so tunnel vision. Like, you yeah. are just focused on what you're doing, and you do not, you sometimes don't even hear your coach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want this loop choke. I want this loop choke. I yeah. want this loop choke. And Brent's like, give up on that transition somewhere else. Yeah. I'm like, I want the loop choke. <laughs> 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 yeah. So it's hard to actually focus on that we have a drill that we do with our kids sometimes when they're getting ready for competition where let's say it's like one of our kids and nick will coach one and i'll coach the other and we tell them specifically like listen for your coach's voice if i'm coaching a b B. yeah like b should not be listening to me and a should not be listening to him like we should have them focus on who their coach's voice is so that in competition on that day when they hear it, they can like actually put it together, put the pieces together a little bit easier mm-hmm. rather than counter coaching or trying to do what the other coach is saying. Cause you know, kids are not that smart sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some coaches suck. Like some coaches are like, watch out for the triangle. And then the opponent and- is like, oh, there's a triangle. <laughs> That's how parents are. Uh, yeah. Well, they don't understand. So, yeah, I just don't, I think it's crazy, like, in order to be a coach at ADCC, like, it just seems wild to me. Yeah. But some of the coaches are like uh, Rafa Mendez, who used to compete in ADCC, and he was coach of Cole Abate, and obviously Cole's 16, and while he has great jiu-jitsu, he's not perfect, he's a purple belt, so his coach is there to support him and give him insight when it's needed. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I think they're always good to have. Just seems crazy. Because, like, you know, Donaher's not saying anything. <laughs> In the locker room, he's going to be like, you're a fucking piece of shit. How did you lose, Gary? <laughs> One more loss and you're off the team. Right. But Gordon Ryan did win his 58th match in a row now, which is wild. And 59th. Did he? He had, he had two matches. Really? Well, yeah, it was uh, the two rounds. Mm. Okay, I thought it was just one. Yes, yeah. so he was on Joe Rogan's podcast last week, so about... And he's got two more matches today, and the super fight. Okay. And the open weight, if he wants to do open weight. Wow. Which he probably will. Wow. Why not? <laughs> yeah, so he was on Rogan's podcast earlier in September, and he was saying that it's really 
almost unheard of to win more than like 10, maybe 15 matches in a row. He was saying like, yeah, someone can go in there and just like destroy competition and win double gold, even triple gold in a grappling industries tournament. And like you had a really good day, but then more than likely in your next tournament, like someone's probably going to beat you, whether it's by points or advantage or time or whatever it is, like someone's probably going to beat you. And it's just almost unheard of to win more than 10 in a row. And then Rogan goes, Gordon, how many have you won in a row? And he's like, 57. (laughs) (laughs) Who's setting himself up? Yeah, that was my favorite part of the entire podcast. I laughed super hard. And then he went to ADCC on September 17th. Then he won two more. So now he's at 59. And then today he'll probably be 60, 61, and 62 if he wins against Andre, which he probably will. Yeah, we will see. Yeah. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah. It's uh, boosting my fire for competition coming up October 8th mm-hmm. and in Chicago, Grappling Industries. If I get opponents, I don't know. I signed up so that hopefully my opponents would sign up. They're going to put you against that other kid. Because when we were originally looking at the bracket, I looked into him a little bit just to see how old he was. Like, was he really, like, 18 as an adult? Or Look, was I have like... a coach doing research for me. <laughs> but, like, when you're in the adult division, that's anywhere between the ages of 18 and 29. So, it just, it changes. So, I wanted to see how old he was. And he's 20, I think he's 28. So, like, you guys are not that far. Well... So if they were care. smart, they would put you together. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, but then there's he didn't even sign up for no gi though. He only signed up for gi. Mm. So there's literally no 170 pound purple belt no gi. So I'll probably go maybe against brown or black. I didn't look at that, which I'm fine with too. Yeah, that'd be good for you. I, I'll go. I'll go against anybody. He'll roll with anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we got that October 8th coming up. Which yeah, will which be is super fun. Only a few weeks. Yeah. So like, I really need to get to competition mode. Yeah, probably. I got to stop playing in the gym, so sorry to all my training partners in the next couple of weeks. Hmm. It's it's coming. Yeah. For the <laughs> next, it won't even stop after October 8th because then on November 5th. Yeah, November 5th, I've got a pancreation fight coming up mm-hmm. at Inverse Fighting. Uh, yeah, Inverse Fighting. I don't know, number one or something. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Inverse Fighting is throwing their first uh caged event where they have cage grappling, cage pancreation matches, and then regular MMA fights. So it's kind of like a a mixture of a few things going on, but I'm doing a pancreation fight. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are constantly asking, not only Nick, but me as well, like, when is Nick fighting again? When is he going? I really want to go. So here's your time. Here's your chance. Uh, November 5th, he will be, it's actually in Waukesha, so you don't, yes. Milwaukee people, you don't even have to go far. But, uh, yeah, it'll be in, I think it's in the Waukesha Expo Center. Yeah, it's in the Expo Center, and the general admission tickets are 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll put a link in the bio, and if you want to get a ticket, you can put my name. Under the that, we should probably try to get a table for fluid people. Yeah, figure something out. But yeah, tickets are forty bucks. So if you're interested, someone should be there to uh, calm me down. (laughs) (laughs) So, are you friends with Pal's girlfriend at all? Nope. So he's going against someone that we know from another school in the area, Open Guard, and I'm friends with his girlfriend on Facebook. And she posted the lineup and how he, like, obviously she's like, oh, Pal's going to compete, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she was like, who's coming with me to close my eyes? And I laughed and I commented and I was like, girl, we're going to have to close each other's eyes and then we'll need a third party there to tell us how our men are doing against each other. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say to that? She just laughed. Oh, my goodness. 
That's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> That's okay. I'm I'm friends with everybody I've ever competed against, and uh, in the in the ring, you know, I'm gonna put it all out there. No matter if I love you, no matter if I hate you, my game's not gonna change. The heart is always gonna be there. Yeah, but then yeah. like afterwards, it's all love. Anybody that I trained with ever, it's all love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a cool dude too. We've met him, rolled with him. He's cool. Yeah. And it'll be fun. And then Nick Bontempo is also fighting uh, that same card. He'll be actually the fight right after Nick. And he's going against another open guard player, also one of his friends. Mm-hmm. So we're all just going against each other's friends right now. But yeah. that's what happens in such a small community. Because yes. on top of, like, the small community that jiu-jitsu is, and it is getting bigger, but, like, it is still pretty small. I would say maybe one out of every 15 people train that you know. And so... Out of all those, one out of 15, like, how many of them actually compete? So, it just gets smaller and smaller when you actually try to sign up. And then as you get older and more experienced. Older? Well, when you hit Masters, it was really hard for you to find matches, wasn't it? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I still fight adults. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, just go against friends. It (laughs) was funny because when Open Guard did post the lineup, like that first day, I think it was on what Thursday, maybe Friday. I don't know actually. I but didn't see it. I went into my coworker's office and I was like, "You want to see what gives me the most anxiety in the world?" And she goes, "The most anxiety." And I was like, "Yes, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> the most anxiety." And she was like, "What?" And I showed her, and she was like, "Oh, how exciting!" And then she was super cute because she was like, "I don't know what any of this is." And I was like, <laughs> "What do you mean?" And she goes, "Like, what is, what is?" A primal MKE. And what is, what is an open guard? And I was like, oh, those are the names of the gyms. And she's <laughs> like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> wow. You should get them to come. Lynn? And yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they might. We'll see. Yeah. I told Lynn, I was like, if you're interested, November 5th. She's like, I might do that. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, my goodness. Well, now I can't disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> Got all my bosses watching, maybe. Yeah, right. But yeah, that'll be a fun time. So November 5th, we're going to start getting ready. We'll be on a strict competition diet this week, I believe. Well, October 8th, I'm fighting at 170. November 5th, I'm fighting at 185. Yeah, but you still want to be in shape. Like, you Yeah, wanna I'm be not going to gain weight. Like we're not going to have pizza and ice cream. Right. I'm not going to eat shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So of course. I'm going grocery shopping tomorrow and we'll get some good, healthy competition meals out there for us for the next couple weeks. Sounds great. It'll be great. Yes. But outside of uh, training for competition, what I've been doing recently is I've been I've been really stewing on training as if I want to train jiu-jitsu forever. Yeah. Right? And, you know, and what that means is training for longevity. You know, I kind of train jiu-jitsu like I'm 65 today so that when I'm 65, it's going to be a piece of cake. For me to keep training jujitsu, but it also means not like forcing things and not fighting things extremely hard, just being comfortable in every position, no matter what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like when people are adamant about passing your guard a certain way and you can't uh, stop it without putting a ton of force and a ton of effort in, like maybe let them pass and um, reverse the position in the transition or, or um, don't let them pass in the way that they wanted to pass and secure that position or make it different for them or just get out of the position. 
Whoa. What? <laughs> Something went in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Ow. I thought you were thinking really hard. No. And then you were like. <laughs> felt like a fuzz went in my nose. But yeah, no, I agree with that. Yep. That's something that my dad has always preached for the last couple of years is that he is, he's in his mid forties now. So he, his body is not the same as it was when he was a high school wrestler. It's not the same as it was when he was 170 pound purple belt in his thirties. Like he's just, he's, he's getting older, but he's trained maybe not for the first couple of years, but he trained so that when he was in his 40s, when he is in his 50s, when he is in his 60s, he's still going to be able to do jujitsu. He it's may not be- hugely important to me. Yeah. And so like even like now, he anyone who rolls with Brent knows that he's not a very like mobile person. He's very- like, Sedentary. Yeah. <laughs> he says that all of his movements have a purpose and like he doesn't like to- exert more energy than he needs to. And so, but the way that he trained himself to get there is by training that way as a blue, a purple, and a brown belt. And so that he could actually focus on his movements rather than winning. Even though he likes to win. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. I'm not explaining this the greatest, but (laughs) yeah, you want to be able to make sure that your body is okay and ready to go in 30 years from now. Like yeah. think about how you're rolling right now. Maybe you yeah. roll how today, maybe you roll yesterday. How much do you put on your body when you're rolling yeah. versus how much fun are you having? Right. And so like if you think about your last hard roll that you did, do you think you're going to be able to do that in a year from now? Probably. Do you think you're going to be able to do that in five years from now? More than likely. But do you think you're going to be able to do that in 20 years from now? Yes. Chances are low. Chances are very low that in 20 years from now, you'll be able to roll at that intensity the way that you did when you were 20 years younger. Mm-hmm. So there's just no purpose in having to roll that hard every single time. Yes. So unless you're, you're a world champion training for world champion super fights. And getting paid six figures a fight. Right. Like, which we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Right. <laughs> we got to wait for inflation to get us there. <laughs> so... Yeah, training your body to be able to, I guess, go with the motion. Yeah, go with the flow Mm -hmm. of what's happening, but also not get submitted. Right. It's just more important than winning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's always a way out of everywhere. Unless you're in a deep submission with everything fully locked up. Okay, yes, the way out is tap, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But like when people are setting up submissions, there's always a way out. If you can recognize the beginnings of a submission. Right. And I've really been focusing on moving, figuring out when people are trying to set things up, and then moving in a way that makes it impossible for them to continue that setup. And then they get confused, frustrated, and then they make an opening, and then I can reverse the position or reverse the submission or continue moving. And um, I really haven't been using any sort of my pressure game on people for the last, like, few months i don't know if you've noticed that but it's been you've been much more like it's been all moving yeah moving around things i was gonna say almost like a dance every time you roll yeah um and that's not how i roll for competition and when i train for competition it's much different so i gotta switch that gear back into place but um but for longevity i think treating it like a dance is the way to go. And you're not like straining your body with everything that you're trying to do. You just find what's there. Find what's given to you, which is another thing that Kristen was talking about in her seminar. You you do the jujitsu that is presented to you 
that's available to you. You don't force the jujitsu that you want to do just because you want to do it. Right. Because if you force your jujitsu every time, um, you're going to have a hard time. I agree. Yeah, something that she was telling me too, especially when we were talking about like being females in the sport and having like, for lack of a better word, disadvantage against males that are the same size or higher. That sucks for you. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but she She's was- tapped me out before, so it's fine. Well, she was saying that she doesn't really care if she gets tapped. Like, if she gets tapped by a blue belt, she's like, great job. Like, that was good. Like, she has, she has no ego whatsoever to the point where she's going to, like, let an arm fly out of her socket like that chick did in ADCC yesterday. Dude, her elbow was inverted. And her bicep, you know how bicep slicer splits your bicep? Yeah, it happened backwards. The bicep was <laughs> splitting backwards when her armbar was hyperextended. It was disgusting. I cannot remember her name for the life of me right now. I don't either, but there's only 16 women in ADCC, so I'm sure you'd be able to find it if you looked I, it up. I retweeted it if you follow me on Twitter. It was <laughs> fucking insane. It was really disgusting. But anyway, so yeah, she says that she does not fight out of like submissions that are locked because she's like, why would I? So exactly. she just has a good time and she always likes to praise the the, belt, the lower belts that tap her out on saying like, that was really good. Good job. Mm-hmm. And I was actually watching her role with a lot of people on Friday night. And I mean, she's a one stripe black belt. So like almost everyone there was below her besides my dad. So I, but I watched her tap to almost everyone, which was like really humbling, actually. And I thought it was very cool because she wasn't going 100% like she was in a competition. She was mm-hmm. just having fun. She yes. was rolling. And she's like, oh, you got my arm. Okay, tap. Let's keep going. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want to like, no big stop deal. the roll. Yep. And that's where, And then yesterday we were in the car, and that's what she was telling me is that she's like, I want to do this forever. Yes. She's like, I want to be 90 years old on the mat still doing jujitsu. Right. And, and you- the way to do that is to just go through the motion. That's right. And you don't fight the submissions when they've got a locked in position. Mm-hmm. Because every position or every submission, you have to have a strong position to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. There are different types of submissions where it's like a, a quick jerk and you can, and that's when you're like actually just trying to hurt people, pain compliance submissions. Right. But true jujitsu is when you get that good control and it's impossible for them to move out of that position. And then you finish the submission and they tap, right? Yeah. So if you find yourself in those positions, instead of trying to be strong and fighting out of those spots, just tap and try to learn how you got into that position and not let it happen. Mm-hmm. Or if you can move out of that position, that's when you don't tap and you continue moving. And I think that's one of the things I do most when I roll is I find that little space to move out of and people get confused because yeah. they think that they had the position, but... There's always a way out most of the time. Yeah, but I think the hardest part for that with people and not just white belts, but like just people in general is that they have an ego. And so uh, that's yeah. something that Kristen had brought up yesterday too, right? Is that most and times have changed a little bit, but like when she was coming up in jujitsu, mm. like people don't want to tap to a female. Like yeah. they would rather break their arm than tap to a female because like, she's not allowed to tap me out. I'm supposed to be bigger, better, stronger, faster, whatever it is. So the ego is definitely a big problem that even if you say you don't have one, I mean, everyone has one. You just got to learn to check it. So one of my favorite things at white Lotus is they have a, a mat that you, you know, brush your feet off on when you walk in and it says, check your ego at the door. Oh yeah. And that's something that, 
That's Josh right. like is very very particular on us. He's like because Josh is the same way as a black belt. Like he's like anyone can tap me. I don't care if you're a first day white belt. If you got it locked in, it's locked in. So I think that if you sandbaggers, <laughs> <laughs> if you check your ego at the door, like that's when you learn because now you're figuring out where you're landing in situations that maybe you shouldn't. You're learning how to roll with other people. You're ro- mm-hmm. you're learning how to let those lower belts like take advantage of you so that you can work on your defense. Like you're there's a lot that you can do. You just got to learn to check it because if you're trying to muscle out of everything or you're just yeah. trying to overpower like you're a blue belt and that's a white belt so you can't let them tap you because right. otherwise what you're going to get your blue belt taken away. Cuz that's the thing that she said too. <laughs> She's told uh, me that, that happened to me once. She told me that three times. She was like, "So if I get tapped by a by a brown belt, is Master Sour just gonna come take away my black belt?" <laughs> he shows up like the boogeyman in your closet. Like, it's over. <laughs> you must give it back. Yeah. <laughs> but she's you are no that, longer my friend. She told me that three times. She's like, "Is Master Sour just gonna come take away my black belt?" I'm like, "Are you concerned that he's gonna do that?" Because you keep bringing it up. Uh, she was so funny. But it's true, though. Like, is someone really going to come take away your belt or your stripe because you got tapped out by a lower belt? Like, it's just not going to happen. So check your ego at the door. I think that's, like, the biggest thing. Yes. And that's part of longevity, too. Because the less ego that you have, the better you're going to roll. And that'll just help you long. Yeah, because you're not focused on protecting your ego. You're focused on having fun and doing jujitsu, which Mm -hmm. is, like, I think the most important part of anything in life is to be fun and have good time and be happy right but secondly just learning and growing and doing something that you love to do really supports that goal of being happy and having fun yes (laughs) yeah it is so fun i miss it (laughs) last night on the mats i was talking about tempo and i literally i went and laid down on my side and then i started bringing my leg up to go for an inversion and he was just like pretty stop it Did you stop it? I did stop. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. (laughs) But he told me, he was like, you need to stop or you're never going to be able to get back on. And I was like, I know. (laughs) That's why I leg locked him. He yelled at my wife. (laughs) I've been really good. I haven't rolled at all. I know. Like at all. I haven't even tried. I got in the position of an arm bar twice, but I didn't actually bend. I didn't do anything. I'm still, I am going to go to the belt ceremony tomorrow. And yes. I am going to participate, but I'm only going to standing pass, which will be like a restaurant for them. I don't feel like you should participate. <laughs> but I can standing pass and I'll be fine. Maybe. Yeah, and, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, they're going to be tired. So I'll be like, literally just use your guard. Don't try it. And I'm going to say, don't sweep me. <laughs> just use your guard. Sure. There you go. That's my plan. So I can participate. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, what else? Yes. We have a belt ceremony tomorrow. Yep, we got a belt ceremony. So please come because we're jam-packed weekend. Yeah, <laughs> lots of stuff. Yes. Next weekend is not really jujitsu related, but Nick is super excited about what he's got planned. What do I have the next weekend? <laughs> what? A bachelor party. Oh yeah, doing a bachelor party. It's gonna be a good time. So we actually might not record next week. <laughs> we'll see. We'll figure it out. Because uh, that's when Jackie rescheduled her bachelor party too. Is set or Sunday. I will never remember when that will be. Yep, me either. <laughs> That's okay. What day are you doing the the thing? Saturday, Sunday. It is Saturday. It's it's a two day. Not no. Okay. We can talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Yes. So what else uh, do you think is important for longevity in jujitsu? Um, not get hurt. <laughs> How do you not get hurt? By checking your ego at the door. <laughs> no, honestly, like not getting hurt. So as much as I don't like saying it, it is kind of true. Like you really do have to be careful who you roll with. Yeah. Because, I mean, some people just don't know how to control themselves yet. And that's not saying that they never will. But just some people, maybe they won't match your speed or your intensity, whether your intensity is at 100 or if it's at 10. Like maybe on your 10 day, they want to go 100. Maybe on your 100 day, they want to go 10. And you just have to really, I guess, be picky about who you're going to roll with, who's going to make your jujitsu better. Because if you're always trying to just win or beat the other person, then you're probably like more prone to injury. So, but I like to roll with everyone. Like I love to roll with the first day white belt men because I just think it's fun. Yeah. But sometimes it is dangerous. So you just have to be careful. Yeah. I roll very differently with those white belt men. Like I, my game is not closed guard, right? Mm -hmm. But on beginner jujitsu people, my game is closed guard. (laughs) It's like, no, you just calm down in my legs and get used to this position first. <laughs> like, I think I do the same with the men who are just trying to, like, smash me. Yeah, it's like, no, I'm just going to put you in close guard and armbar you and triangle you. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, yes, that's basic jujitsu, mm-hmm. But it's so powerful and fundamental, and it helps people learn, like, oh, I can't just try to smash through his legs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get fucked up. <laughs> yeah, with other first-day men, too, I also like to just spin a lot. Like, I like to do inversions and spin and backdoor yeah. escapes and all that stuff just so that they can be like, what's think, happening? <laughs> I think if they're the same size as you, that's okay. But if you're going with a beginner that's large, you don't want to do inversions or backdoors or spinning because at any point they can drop all of their oh, weight on yeah. you. That because they don't even know where their balance is. So I try to keep them strictly in front of me. That's in front of smart. my legs when they're large. It's probably smart. Yep. <laughs> if people are smaller than me, I'm fine with it but like yeah once you start getting inverted like sometimes and i have to be very careful when i'm inverted and doing like k guard and um trying to go through their legs a lot of people like to post on their knee and it's happened where people's knees are coming down as my face is coming through and i've got to redirect their knee so it doesn't just smash my forehead Mm -hmm. i'm very aware of where their base is Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah and it's happened before where i've gotten a like a knee to the skull right to the ground because they were kneeling and I was spinning. Yeah. And it's not their fault. It's probably more so my fault for doing a random inversion. But <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I try to not to do stuff like that to people that don't know what their body is doing for that That's reason. True. But yeah, I think it really does come down to the person that you're rolling with of for longevity. Because, like, I mean, if you want to know more, too, like, I would also just... Ask your instructor. More than likely, your instructor is, if not a black belt, at least a high belt. So ask your instructor how they are able to still move the way that they can. Like, what did they do? I'm good. In their in their training, coming up as a, a white and a blue belt and even as a purple belt, like, what type of people did they roll with? How did they roll? How often did they roll? Because I think it does come, to, come down to how often you roll, too. Yeah. Because if you're only rolling once a week, I mean, you're not going to learn enough to even stay safe. At a higher level, I guess. Unless you're already higher ranked. True. True. But I think you have to roll enough to learn the most about your body and how you do react in certain situations, too. 
Yeah, I think the more frequent you are, the the more connected it will be. But you can still learn it over time. It'll just take longer. Well, motion is also lotion. Yes, but <laughs> I, the people that love jujitsu that only do it once a week are doing so many other things that they're still continually moving. Typically, yeah, that's there, true. there's not people that like do jujitsu once a week and the other five days of the week, six days of the week, however many days of the week there are, are just sitting on the couch. That's not what they're doing. <laughs> What country is the Great Wall of China in? Uh, Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> However many days in the week. <laughs> but it's true. Like people that like jujitsu, they only do it once a week. They're not only doing it once because that's. Um, I'm trying to say because um, they're doing so many other things. That they're scheduled, they have to pick and choose when they can do jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Yep, they do. And I'm glad that we don't have to decide that most of the time. This summer, well, we we've built our to, lives around it. Yeah, this summer we've had to decide a lot. Not but, even though, because we've still we still trained at least four days a week, and for me, I'm still training multiple times a day most days. Good for you. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah, well, you still train at least three times a week, even if we've got stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, I would say even on the weeks that we do have stuff going on, typically it's a Friday or Saturday, so I'm still mm-hmm. there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. At least. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. What else would you say for longevity? For longevity, um, let things happen to you and tap. Tap early, tap often. Yeah, there's... Uh, yeah, there's no reason to fight like every match is a competition. Mm-hmm. So just let things happen to you. Get comfortable in shitty positions. I think that's the other thing. Um, I know that I've been recently studying leg positions because I know it's a big hole in my game where if people grab my leg and I'm not sure what to do, I will, will just tap and just not be comfortable with it. So I've been studying how to get comfortable in those terrible positions so that I start to have an understanding of what can I do from here that makes it safer for me? When do I need to tap? And obviously I'm not like, you know, letting people twist my knee into oblivion and then tapping. If they got a solid position, I'm going to tap to it. Yeah. But I'm starting to learn how to move. Right. (coughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think it's good. And I think that that's also another big part of longevity, too, is figuring out where the holes in your game are mm-hmm. and just trying to experiment with those, too. Because yeah. if you're going you're gonna to get bored. I mean, once you find something that you really are good at and that you like and that you tend to do in almost every role, mm-hmm. after like a year or two of doing it every single time, you're going to get yeah. bored of it and you're going to want to move on. And then yes. people who get bored quit. So. <laughs> that's where Blue Butt Blues comes in. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, oh, I used to be really good at arm bars and loop chokes, and now it doesn't work on anybody, and I don't want to suck at anything else, so bye. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but that's what Kristen said, too, is that she doesn't get to do all of her stuff that she's the best at at her gym anymore, because everyone knows her game. Right. So, like, she was playing Spider Guard on Friday night with people, and she's like, I would get to play Spider Guard at my gym, because everyone knows it's coming. They all, like, stop it right away before I can even do it. She's it's like, true. but here, no one knew what my game was. So I played Spider Guard because I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do at the gym with Butterfly Guard. Yeah. But, um, 
the other thing I was going to say, so outside of just being uncomfortable in like leg positions, which is understandably uncomfortable, um, also get comfortable in like crucifix, get comfortable in turtle, get comfortable with people on your back, comfortable in bottom mount, comfortable bottom side control. Every position has an element of, oh shit, this is bad for me. And if you are comfortable in that position and nothing ends up being bad for you, you're going to be able to move out of it much easier than if you're frantically like, shit, 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 this is bad. Right. Yeah, because the more you panic, the more that you're going to be prone to making mistakes. And when you make mistakes is when you get injured. And the more you tense up, the faster you get injured and the easier you are to actually hold on to. Mm-hmm. Once again, like a tense, like a piece of wood is very easy to manipulate. Mm-hmm. A wet blanket is very difficult to manipulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to be a wet blanket. That's what we used to tell the kids in Mount, actually. Yeah. So. To float? Yeah. No, to be a wet blanket. That's what Miguel would say. Yeah, to float on top, though? Not float. Literally sink on them. Yeah, but it's a a concept of floating. Yeah, so he would say, like, once you're in Mount, he wants you to put your hands sprawled out on the mat in front of them, and you basically want to put, like, your your belly or your chest down on their chest to try to keep them pinned. You want to be a wet blanket. And mm-hmm. for kids, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But kids when, are fine. When Tempo does it to me, that's terrifying. <laughs> so you got to get comfortable there. Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. When uh, he's a bigger dude. And so he can, when he's a mount, if he holds you down, it's really hard to get out from under him. But what I do when he does that to me is I make it impossible for him to submit me so that he has to move and relieve a uh, position unless he just wants to lay there for a couple minutes, which I don't think he wants to. No. <laughs> Probably not. Yes. And that's, again, where you have to, like, learn your partner, learn their style, and then figure out how to get better. That's right. So, yeah, longevity. We yes. all want to be doing this when we're 90, so. Well, I mean, I do, for sure. A lot I don't of know about do. you guys. A lot of people do. So hopefully we can get there and just takes time and practice in order to teach yourself to get there. Yeah, it takes patience too. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's the biggest thing. Because mm-hmm. you got to patiently learn. You can't judge yourself based on getting tapped out or losing positions. It's a learning opportunity whenever you find yourself stuck and like, hmm, I got stuck in this person's mount and I'm not sure what to do about it. That's a perfect opportunity for you to go to your higher belts, to your training partners, and kind of workshop that position. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. So, any last-minute thoughts? Any last-minute thoughts? Um, ADCC is going to be super exciting today, and I can't wait to watch it. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Give me nothing to feedback off of. So. Well, I, I was wondering what your last thoughts were. I don't have any. Okay, that's great to work <laughs> off of. Yes, thank you. <laughs> oh. oh, yes. All right. Yeah. Well, my last minute thoughts are: I'm just going to keep healing my rib so that I can get out there and work towards my longevity of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to um, work my ass off to compete and win. Yes. And it's going to be great. Lots of stuff coming up. So. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you guys so much. We will probably not talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye. Adios.